0: In a widely anticipated move, Prime Minister Lee Hsien Loong in his National Day Rally speech last night announced the retirement age will be raised from 62 to 65, while the re-employment age will be raised from 67 to 70. The CPF, or Central Provident Fund, contribution rates for workers aged between 55 and 60 will also be raised gradually from 2021 until they hit 37%. This is on par with younger workers. These changes... Will they better support Singaporean workers? Joining me in the studio is Christopher Tan, CEO of Provident, Executive Director of Money Owl. We're talking today in Money and Me about making the most of our CPF money. So first up, uh, when you hear about raising the retirement age by two years and increasing the contribution rates for older workers so that from 2021 mm. where we're moving towards a direction where they're on par with younger workers mm. today do you mm. think these changes adequately address the concerns about retiring in Singapore
1: yeah money Michelle I think really yes the main changes really are, are three things that has been mentioned so firstly is increasing the re-employment age secondly is about increasing the retirement age and uh, they are both different right because uh, one is about when the employer retires you and the other one is about you know that option of you if you want to Work to be re-employed, and then the third thing that PM announced, of course, is the raising of contribution rate for the older workers, and we can see that all those are geared towards uh, making sure that if people want to work uh, later, not that they have to. That's an important point. Yeah, it's not that okay. After raising the retirement age, you cannot retire earlier. You can always retire anytime you want. But if you feel like you want to work uh, longer, whether by choice or because you want to have more, you have the option of working. Uh, later, And of course, currently, if you, you know, after age 55, your contribution rate drops, right? By raising the contribution rate, it just means that you will have more in your CPF. And so all of these things really is just to make sure that for people who might not have enough, there is a chance for them to accumulate more so that they are able to have a better lifestyle in their retirement.
0: So, you have more time because we know that preparing adequately for retirement is a function of how much time you have.
1: That's then. right. And, like I say, it's really an option. MPM, in a very funny way, emphasized two times, I think, that there are no changes to the CPF withdrawal uh, age. Withdrawal. <laughs> no. Uh, <laughs> no. You can just
0: hear
1: people's brains going, well, at what age can I touch my CPF? Money? Yes. And it's, I thought it was really funny because he was anticipating that there's going to be a lot of fake news going out telling people, see, see, I told you, you know, you, you cannot take out your CPF again, you know, and it's not. No. You're, you're retired. Your withdrawal age for CPF remains at age 65. So all these changes, I like it because it's an option, really. You don't have to work so you know, until so, if you can afford to.
0: So you're a retirement specialist, Money Owl, you help a lot of people there. Mm. Tell us, how much should someone have in their CPF account to retire comfortably in Singapore?
1: You know, Michelle, it really depends on your own lifestyle, your own expectation. Yeah, Because what is enough for you might not be enough for someone else. But as a guide, I'll say that if you are 55 this year and you have what we call basic retirement sum in your retirement account, which is uh, at $88,000 this year, by the time you reach 65 years old in 10 years' time, you have around about 700 to $800. Per month, but if you have got the full retirement sum, which is two times the basic retirement sum, currently stands at hundred and seventy six thousand, yeah, which is eighty eight thousand times two, right? You will have about a thousand two to a thousand five per month ten years time when you turn sixty five years old. Now, of course, for those people who are able to at fifty five years old, they can top up their retirement account to three times of the eighty eight thousand, which gives you what we call the enhanced retirement sum, and that is 264000 And in 10 years' time, it gives you about 1008 to about $2,000, $2,100. So using that as a gauge, you've got to ask yourself what is enough for you now. That is, of course, for one person. If you are a married couple, everything times two. Yeah, so... You decide whether that's enough for you.
0: And how much you can leave in the CPF account or
1: top up. That's right, exactly. Yeah.
0: Mm, Interesting. So, in your experience dealing with Singaporeans on the ground, Mm. how likely are most Singaporeans to meet the full retirement sum By the time they're 55,
1: yeah, you know, some time back, CPA board actually did a study. I mean, they did with real numbers, of course. Now, really, it's a function between your income and how you use it for housing. Because we all know that a large part of our money in OA, people use it for housing. So it's a function of both income and how you use it for housing. But according to the, the study done by CPA bought some time back, they found that for a fresh graduate st- with a starting pay of about $2,000 and they just buy a four-room flat, uh, by the time they reach 55 years old, they should be able to set aside the basic retirement sum at a time. And for a fresh grad earning about 2300 and still buy a foreign flat, they will get about full retirement sum when they reach 55 years old. For fresh grad that earns about $2,800 per month and uh, just buy a foreign flat, they will be able to set aside the full retirement sum. Yeah, so this is for the younger cohort. Yeah, but how about the current cohort? Mm. Yeah, the older ones. Uh, I remember when I was with the CPI advisory panel, uh, Ministry of Manpower provided some numbers, and they found out that you know by 2020, seven out of ten, which means to say for the current 54-year-old cohort, mm. right, when they turn 55 next year, mm. seven out of ten will be able to hit the basic retirement sum. And 7 out of 10 who turns 55 years old, in 2030, they will be able to have their full retirement sum.
0: Uh, those are very impressive figures, very impressive. Um, but for those who are not among that 7 out of 10 next year who are going to hit the full retirement sum, mm. what are some of the possible obstacles that you've heard that have held them back?
1: Yeah, I mean, for the current cohort who are older, I mean, unfortunately, they might not have enough runway in the past to reach this amount. And it's quite likely it is because of their lower income, probably because of their property purchase, and maybe some of them because they have not been working full-time. You know, as such, they don't accumulate that much in their CPF account. yeah. But for those people who are really belong to the lower income group, there are a slew of uh, all those uh, welfare schemes and all that, that they can actually tap on.
0: Okay. What do you think are some of the misconceptions that we can clear up around the CPF full retirement sum? Oh,
1: yeah. There are many. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, somehow, Singaporeans are quite sceptical about CPF. Perhaps maybe I can understand because it's really quite a complicated scheme. Yeah. So one of the misconceptions that I often hear is that If you don't have full retirement sum, you can't retire. That's absolutely not true. I mean, you can retire anytime you want. And there are people who might not have CPF money, but they have got cash and surely they can retire. And another misconception that I've heard is that if you don't have full retirement sum, you can't take out anything at age 55 years old. Now that's not true again, because as long as you have in excess of basic retirement sum, which is currently eighty eight thousand, mm. yeah, and you have owned a property, uh, you can actually take out the money in excess of the basic retirement sum, which is eighty eight thousand today. And if you have less than eighty eight thousand today, you can still take up up to five thousand dollars, yeah. And really, for those people who haven't been working, and they have less than even five thousand dollars in their OA plus SA combined at age 55 years old, basically you can take out everything, okay? So that's the second misconception. And the third misconception is that, oh, if I don't have a full retirement sum, and you know the full retirement sum goes up every year, yeah, by 3%, just to hedge against inflation, they say that, oh, I will be penalized. There's going to be a penalty. There's absolutely no penalty. It's just that you're going to have a much smaller amount at 65 years old, and it just means that your CPF life payout would be lesser. Yeah, so this is some of the common misconception.
0: He's Christopher Tan, CEO of Provident, Executive Director of Money Owl and very familiar with CPF. That's why he's here in the studio with us today. Okay, take us through what must be done to ensure that we can meet our CPF full retirement sum. We like to set goals in on this show. Maybe you can talk about the journey and break it up into some, chunk it into phases for us. Yeah, I think
1: for the people who are young, I think the most important thing is don't extend yourself and buy too big a property. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people unfortunately I mean uh, during my time and I speak like as if I'm ancient Yeah, but I'm not that young <laughs> but you know during our time we are always very scared when we buy a property and we say okay maybe I'll start with a four room flat or a five room flat you know we don't really think about oh I'm going to buy a condo straight away yeah so I'll say that you know if you are young you're going to get married or you just got married don't extend yourself and buy too big a property because yes, you probably might wipe out your CPF you know and a large part or even all of your CPF contribution is going to pay your house so just make sure you take care of that yeah. Secondly, now even if you, after buying a small house, if you can, don't wipe out everything. I mean, nowadays you are allowed to keep twenty thousand dollars in your CPF ordinary account before you take a HDB loan. In the past, before you take a HDB loan, CPF requires you to wipe out everything. But now, the good thing is you can keep twenty thousand, and you might want to really do that, yeah, so that you have some money to grow. Thirdly, if you are able to, you might want to consider topping up your CPF special account as early as possible, yeah, because the special account gives you four to five percent fantastic return for almost no risk, right? That's going to help you grow your CPF account very quickly. Fourthly, and I say that all the time please don't ever invest your special account money. And I don't care who speaks to you about it, your advisors Mm. and all that. Don't do that because we say that the risk premium or the excess return you get from special account, taking that kind of risk is just not worth it because special account is 4 to 5%. It's almost no risk. You cannot get this kind of returns anywhere. (laughs) Don't invest your special account. Keep it there. Let it grow very nicely so that you have a nice amount when you retire. And lastly, if you can, if you are able to, I know not everybody can, but if you can, you might want to voluntarily contribute into the three accounts, OASA and MA. Yeah, And so if you do all these things very carefully, well, you are going to be able to reach your full retirement sum even much earlier than if you have just done nothing.
0: These are great tips. Wow. This is Money and Me. He's Christopher Tan from Provident and Money Owl. I'm Michelle Martin. And we're looking today specifically at how you can use the CPF schemes or your understanding of the CPF to grow your wealth. A lot of people are confused about the difference, Chris, Mm. between CPF life Mm. and whether or not they should choose a private annuity plan. Mm.
1: Yeah. They don't have to be confused anymore because... The good and bad news is that there are no more private annuity plans. <laughs> no insurance sell them anymore because, you know, when they compare to the CPF life, they just cannot beat the return of CPF life. So the private annuity plans, they are dead. Whatever that is have right now, I mean, whatever that's available right now in the market is really what we call the retirement income plans. Mm-hmm. These are plans whereby either you pay monthly and 20 years later, the insurance plan pays out a monthly income for, say, 20 years, a limited period of time. There are also plans that you can buy what we call single premium. You put one lump sum and it pays over a limited period of time, like 20 years. Now, if you really want a reliable stream of income and you feel like, oh, my CPF life payout will not be enough, you might want to consider buying a retirement income plan instead. Now, having said that, I will say that there are other options. I mean I'm a believer of mixing investments with insurance plans because the good thing about these kind of plans is that it's reliable. The bad thing about it is that the returns are low. Yeah so you might just want to mix and match insurance with investment don't just go with insurance alone
0: retirement investment plans uh,
1: retirement income plans income plan with a very right.
0: unfortunate acronym of RIP Oh yes unfortunately <laughs> <laughs> I know <laughs> Okay what do you think about deferring the payout age if you're looking at the CPF life scheme
1: yeah, so it's really an option again. You know, again, when I was at a panel, we were discussing this. You know, there are people who want it, right? Yeah. Because at 65 years old, a lot of people are active. They still have income. They, they are, maybe even there are children giving them money. It's really an option. And so if you don't need it, you might want to defer it. And the the latest you can defer is until age 70 years old. The good thing about deferring is that every year when you defer it, your payout increases by about 7%, wow. which is quite nice. Yeah, but I always say this. We never know what's going to happen tomorrow, mm. especially at age 65. So there must be a balance between I want to spend now, you know, and deferring it just to get the extra 7%, right? I mean, it's nice to hear it's 7%, but at some point, we need to decide like, okay, you know, I, I should spend it when I'm, I'm 65 already. I'm healthy still. I better go and enjoy my life. I do not know what's going to happen next year, right? So balance between, yes, spending today. And I'm speaking about people at 65, not the young people now. So <laughs> don't prepared, need but, any help there yeah, yeah. today. Yeah, that's right for the, for the people who are young. But for the, the older folks, you know, you have worked hard. You deserve to spend your money. So balance between taking out now and deferring just to get that extra 7%.
0: Now you know why he yeah. is part of a boutique group of uh, retirement specialists. So Singaporeans who invested their CPF monies under the CPFI or investment scheme, Christopher, mm. they achieved 7.82% returns for the very first quarter of this year. It looks mm. like such a safe form of investment and building one's wealth in preparation of retirement. But before you even get started with the CPF IS, Christopher, what do you think people need to know about using their CPF monies under the scheme?
1: Well, three months, Michelle, it's very short. It's really very short. Uh, I mean, three months, especially if you take first quarter, results have been really good. But if you take one step back and if you look at the last quarter of 2018, investors who invested through CPFIS, they actually have been hit by a 7.45% loss. And if you go and study, I was Googling it, you know, and you look at the CPF IS return over the last 10 years or so, it's, it's been mixed, but generally investors, they don't have a good experience using their CPF money. It would have been better if they found out that they have left it in CPF. We were actually looking into this and asking ourselves, why is it like that? And we found that there are a few reasons, mainly costs. The cost of investing is just too high because you buy all these unit trusts and all that, you pay a sales charge. A sales charge is like a one-time commission you pay. So if I invest one thousand dollars and i get some commission you know that's being taken away i don't really invest one thousand dollars you know i I might only invest nine hundred fifty dollars for example or nine eighty dollars so the first thing is the first the the sales charge the second thing is high management fee of all these unit trusts what do i mean by high the average unit trust or rather the cost annual management fee of all these funds they are equity based that means invest in stocks can be as high as 1.75 percent that's a lot of money right, to pay to manage your fund. Mm. Yeah, and it eats into your returns. Yeah, As you know, and I think I've spoken about this before, that we strongly advocate lowering this cost. Yeah, and there are funds out there, not many, that the annual management fee is like just 03 0.4%. But the biggest problem actually is cost. Secondly, investors' lack of experience, they trade in and out of the market. Markets haven't been good for the last one week. There are people talking about now it's time to get out and get in. But it's all these trying to get in and get out that make people lose money. So cost, uh, investors' lack of experience. So for investors whom you really want to consider using using your CPM money to invest, mm-hmm. uh, I'll say firstly and I'll emphasize it again, please don't invest your SA. Please keep it there. Yeah, Don't. If you want to, then only your ordinary account. Please keep costs low. Use a conflict-free advisor to guide you if you can't do it on your own avoid ilps investment link policies because i know i'm going to get stoned Whoa, saying this yes. but generally speaking ilps are costly i'm not a big fan of ilps because the cost is costly and then when you buy into ilps your hands are tied you know if you don't like the fund you can only switch within those selection of funds in the insurance company I mean, there are, there are other selections if you really want to do it why tie your hands yeah
0: so, people might still be interested in the CPF
1: mm-hmm. but there are some prerequisites. Not everybody can use their CPF monies in the scheme. Yeah, so I'm not going to talk about SA at all now because I'm not interested in SA. We're don't, not going there. you are not going there, right? Yeah, so, don't invest your special account. So, if you're going to invest your ordinary account, just take note that the first $20,000 in your OA, you cannot invest. Yeah. And the government actually through CPF bot gives you up to 3.5% for the first 20000 of your ordinary account. Yeah, so you can't invest that. Anything above the twenty thousand, you can invest it. There are some criterias, and it's not easy to say over radio. But very quickly, there are some limitations if you want to invest in shares, property funds, and corporate bonds. Okay, thirty five percent of your investable savings. Yeah, and if you want to invest in gold and other gold products, the limitation is ten percent of your investable savings. The rest of it, like unit trusts and all that, you can invest 100% of your investable savings. What is investable savings? It refers to your account balance, what you have. In your ordinary account. Yes, in your ordinary account, what you see there, plus whatever you have withdrawn for housing and education. So, that is the definition of investable savings.
0: Interesting. Um, what do you think is a good amount to get started for the investor in the CPFIS? Yeah.
1: So, I always say that invest based on what you need to help you reach your goal. Mm. Yeah. But if you are a new investor and this is the first time you are doing it, start small um, because there are going to be volatility. And because you are new, you are not used to it, I'll say start small, have a feel of what volatility is all about, speak to your advisor about it, and only when you are comfortable, then you go in more and more. And I've said that just now, I'll say it again, please don't wipe out everything from your CPF to invest, keep some there uh, for emergency. Yeah, you never know what's going to happen, you may lose your job you know, and all that, and if you cannot pay for your mortgage, at least you leave some money in your OA, to tie you through until you find your next job.
0: Brilliant. Great advice there. So, every time people go to their CPF <coughs> accounts, I sometimes get questions of, oh, I see an amount next to gold mm. and I'm not investing in gold. Should no. I, Michelle? So, tell me about the asset classes that can be invested under the scheme.
1: Yeah. So, uh, as I mentioned, you know, um, you can invest in ILPs, which I really don't like. Yeah. You can invest in unit trusts. You can invest in uh, exchange-traded funds. Uh, and all these things, you can underline it either stocks, bonds... They are also gold.
0: They're all pre-approved, right? They have to be? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So,
1: yes, ab- uh, absolutely. So, before you can invest it using your CPF, these funds must be CPF approved. But ILPs, Unit Trust, they are like what we call collective investment scheme. So, it is not an asset class per se, but it is a way for you to invest into the bond market, the stock market, and even go And ETFs, uh, there are only, if I'm not wrong, about four ETFs that you can invest using your CPF. You can invest uh, into the STI index. There are two ETFs for that. There is also a bond ETF that you can, uh, the Singapore bond ETF. There is an ETF that invests in gold shares, right? Uh, there are also some fixed deposits that you can wish. Well, you know, it really doesn't make sense because the fixed deposits are not very high. You can also invest in gold, you know, gold certificates, you know, and uh, all that. So these are some of the asset classes that you can invest in.
0: Before we let you go, Christopher, we can't not talk about the supplementary retirement oh. scheme. Yeah. So how do you think this really complements the CPF Life Funds?
1: Yeah, so, you know, uh, SRS, the whole idea was mooted, implemented, if I'm not wrong, sometime in 2001 to encourage people to plan for their retirement beyond CPF. To encourage people to do that, there are some tax benefits. So how does it work? So the amount that you put into SRS this year will not be taxed in the next assessment year as long as you put it. It in by 31st December this year, right? After the, or 31st December of the year. So if you don't want this amount to be taxed next year, you got to put the amount in by 31st December this year. And of course, all this is subject to the personal income tax relief kept at $80,000. So that's the thing. So how much can you set aside? I mean, there is a limit for Singaporeans, for locals, you know, uh, it will be 15300 mm-hmm. For foreigners, it'd be 35700 How do you open an SRS account? You can just go to any of the three local banks. You can do it online. You don't have to walk there. And you can open the account very quickly, like, less than 5 minutes you can open an account and you contribute some money now if you withdraw before the statutory retirement age which is today still 62 I know PM has announced some changes last night yeah but it's not going to be implemented immediately it is gradually but the prevailing retirement age now is still 62 so if you open an SRS account today and you put money in, okay, and if you withdraw before the statutory retirement age, there is going to be a five percent penalty for what you take out now, mm. okay. And whatever that you take out will be added into your income today, hundred percent tax, okay. So the whole idea is for you not to take out too early. Is for you to keep it there. You can only withdraw after the statutory retirement age. Now, if you withdraw after your statutory retirement age, there is no penalty, okay? But whatever that you take out, 50% will be added into your income if you still earn an income Mm -hmm. and will be taxed. Now, in order to lower the incidence of tax, you're allowed to spread over 10 years to withdraw. So let's say you have accumulated 400,000, let's just say. Mm -hmm. Okay, you are allowed to spread over 10 years. Each time you withdraw 40,000, only 50% will be taxed. So 20,000 will be taxed. If you don't earn an income, you're unlikely to be taxed. Now, there are a whole list of instruments They are uh, SRS approved. I, I yeah. won't bore the yeah. bore, bore the listeners here. Mm. Yeah, but the last thing we'll see about SRS is that the statutory retirement age is based on the prevailing retirement age when you first contribute into your account. Okay, so what that means is that if you do it now. And subsequently, the retirement age moves to
0: sixty-five.
1: You are still at sixty-two now. Ah, okay. So if you want to do it, you want to kiasu, you know, you just want to hatch, and go and open an account now. Even if you don't put any, uh, you got to put at least a dollar. Yeah, even if you don't intend to use it, well, at least you are locked in at today's retirement age. You can take it out earlier, but if you do it after the retirement age has been increased then your penalty-free withdrawal age will also be delayed.
0: So much opportunities there in the details. Thank you so much for coming You're by. You're Before acting on the information on MoneyFM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download the SPH Radio app available on Google Play or the App Store.